Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode number 62 for the week of October the 5th, 2018. What's happening, Adam? It's been a little bit since we recorded. Yes, it has, my friend. I have returned from Fantastic Fest, which is in Austin, and I saw 31 films over the eight days. 30, 31 films in eight days. Yeah. It's almost a solid movie sounds experience like, for a lot of people sounds for the like whole year. To me. <laughs> it's good. You have to you have to fight a little bit to keep your sanity. Yep. But I had a really good time and I I think we'll record a recap episode at some point. Oh, so absolutely. I'm not gonna get into a lot of my thoughts, but yeah. I, I saw a lot of amazing films. Some of them are coming out soon. Uh spoiler alert, I loved both Suspiria and Halloween. Yep. And those are out here. Uh Halloween's out October nineteenth. And Suspiria is out November 2nd. Yeah, and it was kind of exciting. I followed you, of course, on Twitter while you were out there. And uh, and you were tweeting as the film coterie and, 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 and just holding up the show, really really representing us great out there in Austin. And uh, you got some pretty cool retweet, retweets from, you know, some some different movie people and stuff. And our, our reach, I think, has expanded just a little bit. Yeah, it was nice meeting a lot of people. I had people come up that recognized me. I was actually wearing a Tales from the Creep shirt, which I'm wearing today, and another... Uh, a blogger, writer, JK, came over to me and recognized the shirt, and he knows Brooklyn and Jerry. Nice. And, uh, he actually posted a picture of me representing the film. So, Oh, really nice. It's Excellent. fun to meet people, made some new friends, met some old friends. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have to do a recap episode, especially since it will tie in with kind of our uh, late fall, early winter, maybe late fall preview, because a lot of the movies you saw are coming out over the next couple months, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, absolutely. It's just really great to be back here in the studio podcasting again. I'm excited to kind of get back in. And we've got two movies to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the the um, what potentially could be a huge hit in A Star is Born, the remake, and um, uh, Venom, a, Mar- a Sony slash Marvel property, right? Marvel in all lowercase, way to the side. But yes, yes. mainly Sony. <laughs> mainly Sony. Dash of Marvel. Yeah, a- absolutely. And so um, I'm excited to talk about those. I've had a crazy, just personal busy week this week. And um, here we are again on a Saturday afternoon podcasting. And what are we drinking? Our newest segment? We're drinking water today. We're super exciting, I know. <laughs> I didn't bring any beer over this time, so that's on me. No uh, Elvis juice uh, uh, for this week. But anyway, <laughs> we got maybe we, you know, with Brewdog being right here in Canal Winchester, <laughs> yeah. we need to work on those dudes. We'll, we'll gladly be sponsored. You by need them. to be. Sp- Brewdog needs to sponsor us. So we'll I'm wear on. their logo all over our clothing. <laughs> we'll we'll do whatever we need to do. We can even put it as a backdrop here in your studio. Yeah, absolutely, whatever needs to happen to make that to make that a part of it, that would be great. Absolutely. So, anyway, I, I'm excited. I I think we ought to just jump right in and get into our reviews. And I think we'll do a Stars Born first. Let's just take a little listen to this film and uh, we'll get our thoughts afterwards. You're listening to The Film Coterie. You're very lucky. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really. That My nose has not made me lucky. Look, talent comes everywhere. But having something to say, and a way to say it so people listen to it, that's a whole other bag. And unless you get out there and you try to do it, you'll never know. That's just the truth. If there's one reason we're supposed to be here is to say something so people want to hear it. 
you gotta grab it. And you don't apologize, you don't worry about why they're listening or how long they're gonna be listening for, you just tell them what you wanna say. Don't you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Yeah, I do. I don't like it, but I understand it. Oh, I think you like it a little bit. All right, and welcome back. And our first feature of tonight is A Star is Born, and it is the Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper directed joint that comes to us. And uh, a lot of hype, at least around my friends and some of the circles that I flow in, a lot of people jazzed to see this movie, fired up because it is a big budget musical. I know the trailer when we first saw it. Six months ago or eight months ago kind of knocked us for a loop like, wow, that has the potential to be something really, really good. And uh, so I thought we let's take a minute and talk about A Star is Born. Now, of course, this is most people think, well, what about the original one done in 76 with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson? That's not even the original Star is Born. Nope. It's actually... The very first time it was ever filmed was 1937 with Janet Gaynor and Frederick March, and then it was remade very famously in 1954, probably when Judy Garland was hitting some peak. She had not done a movie in five years, um, came back with The Star is Born, James Mason is in that. And both of those films, The 37 Star is Born and The 54 Star is Born, the storyline is a young a young Hollywood actress, a young girl comes to Hollywood to make it big as an actress, and an older, wiser actor who's on the way down, you know, takes her under his wings, and, 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 and we see a Hollywood star is born, you know. But then in 1976, Barbara Streisand flipped that upside down, and uh, they did the musical star is born with uh, her playing the young, uh, talented singer and Chris Christopherson playing the aged rocker. Uh, who's an alcoholic and on his way down. And um, here we have 2018, Adam. Uh, Bradley Cooper is playing the aged rocker, alcoholic, on his way, yeah, at the end of his run with uh, Lady Gaga as the young upcoming um, talent. And here we are, four movies in, and we have this year's version. So initial thoughts about A Star is Born, uh, Bradley Cooper's directorial debut he picked an interesting movie to make his first directorial Uh, debut yeah in interviews he said all his friends told him not to do this just start with something small because this movie was massive in scope and very tricky to film because they had to sneak into real concerts sneak isn't the right word they had to get clearances and everything but for instance they went on between sets at coachella to get a really big crowd right i think they actually went to some lady gaga shows and got footage with the crowd and uh, an award ceremony with the uh, the Grammys. So they're getting into all these actual events where they can't get a lot of coverage. They have to get it right and get yeah. out. So this is not an easy task for a first film. This isn't just a little indie. No. This is fairly big budgeted, and it's a story that's been told four times be- or three times before. This is the fourth retelling. And my experience with the series, I've only ever seen the Streisand version. Yes, and me as well. So you well, haven't well, seen the Judy Garland? I've seen the, the Judy Garland one I saw in high school, and I remember it being okay, but I know that it was very critically well-received and kind of seemed like a breakout performance. Before this one, that is the the highlight 
of all these films, I believe the most well-regarded right. is the Judy Garland now, version. Now, probably a lot of our listening audience, I won't say all of them, but a lot of them probably only know of the Barbara Streisand, yeah. Chris Christopherson version, which I actually rewatched uh, this week, just kind of leading up to you know um, today's today's feature. And uh, man, is that a bad movie? I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish I could sugarcoat it's it. It's been but, years since I've seen it. But I only it saw is, it on TV. It is the very if you it, well, let me just say it this way: if you love the culture of the '70s and '70s ballads and stuff, you might then you might really like this movie. But whew, the acting is really, really. Um, uh, struggles and the musical numbers are way too long, and it's. I, I did not like the seventy, the seventy six version. You know the the nineteen seventy Streisand Christofferson version, but I'm curious, Adam, to get your thoughts about what do you think about this film? What do you think about Lady Gaga stepping? But you know she's big crowds are nothing for her. She's a right. huge, huge musical success. Now she's stepping in front of the camera. And, you know, um, could we say a role tailor-made to fit her? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're calling this her acting debut, but that's not quite true. I mean, she was in the second Sin City movie. She did a long run on American Horror Story, the hotel season. But this movie is tailored to her own story, I believe. Because in the movie, her character is singing in drag bars. You know, in New York, when she gets discovered and... And as her career takes off, she moves into really generic pop, you know, and it can be argued this is very similar to her own experience of, of, of struggling to get into the industry and then exploding. Right. Um, so no spoilers here, but this is a tragic tale. I mean, this, everyone knows kind of the story. There's no surprise. No surprise whatsoever. In the story. Yeah. It goes exactly where you think it's going to go. So what really matters with the story, since you're not really into the narrative as much, it's the chemistry between the two characters. So the question is, are Bradley Cooper and... Lady Gaga compelling. You know, do you care about these people? And for me, the answer is yes. And I think the hardest thing about this movie is they have to make Bradley Cooper an alcoholic that you actually care about. He can't just be a jerk. Right, exactly. There has to be some charisma, something there that you can understand. Yeah. And buy in that Lady Gaga didn't just latch on for the fame that she generally loves him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And both characters here I think were great. I think they draw you in and they it's a long movie, but it kept me engaged and throughout well, I, I couldn't believe it. I looked up when it, the credits rolled and we were two and a half, two hours and 30, maybe two hours and 40 yeah. minutes into it. And I was like, wow, okay. I didn't expect that at all. So I must have, you know, the, the, the length must not have bothered me at all. But, you know, I, well, let, let me back up here for just a second. Now, I have to say that we saw this feature today together and we saw it in, for the first time for me, a Do- an actual Dolby Theater. And we're talking like this is the best sound you can get probably out today. Mm-hmm. And what a what a way to see this movie, particularly with the amount of music heavy pieces that are in this. And I thought it was I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um Bradley Cooper and I have a love hate relationship, you know. I I love him that I think he I think he has a lot of range and can do a lot of great things, but I often catch him like thinking in his, I, I can see the wheels turning in his eyes or his head or something, you know, like he's trying to consider what should I do next with this role? In other words, he doesn't always seem the most natural to me, but then he'll pull off scenes like, you know, one, a scene where he breaks down in this movie and just sheds tears or a really a heartfelt scene with his brother in this movie where, you know, he tells his brother something 
he opens up and, and says something very honest to his brother and and played by Sam Elliott and mm-hmm. both of them end up in tears and man I got to say I got I welled up I was like I started to tear up during that scene and so I think the performances overall are really solid I'm really interested to see what the mainstream me, mainstream viewing audience does with this film this has this is like could be humongous success and have you know, 10 Oscar nominations, or it could just fade away and do nothing. You know, I'm just really interested to see what, the, if this, what this movie is going to do. I think it's going to be good for Lady Gaga because her, her fans tend to be on the younger side. And for the, the over 40 crowd that goes to see this movie, I think this could convince them to give her more of a shot. They may have written her off as just some pop star that dresses up in meat outfits and strange dresses, but you can't deny her talent no, after you see this movie. absolutely cannot. And she wrote the songs for the movies, too, <clears throat> with her singing and songwriting and everything else. I mean, I think she's going to open up her audience a little bit with this movie. Yeah, and Bradley Cooper doing all the singing as yeah. well. I mean, both of them. So hats off. I mean, this is some solid singing performances by both of them. And what's uh, funny is Brad Cooper and Sam Elliott, you buy his brothers because they're, they're talking the same. Brad Cooper talks a lot. Well, he, he intentionally like lowers Elliott. his whole voice yeah. range by an octave. And he goes into that Sam Elliott voice, you know, he's talking, you know, yeah. and, and he, but only he, he pulls it off somehow and he resonates really, 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 really well. And you buy that they are brothers. And there's even a running joke about in the movie, how he ripped off his brother's voice, you know, yeah. and there's a whole backstory with his brother that left me wanting. I, I wanted the backstory of them as young kids, you know, <laughs> for stars born is nice, but give me these two brothers and their struggle and early in life would have been an interesting film as well from what we get little little glimpses of. And, you know, all credit to Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. They carry the movie because Sam Elliott, uh, Dave Chappelle has a scene. There's really no other supporting cast. No. It's really on their shoulders, and they, they, they carry it, and they do it really well. And I think Cooper does something really smart. He doesn't give Lady Gaga a whole bunch of dialogue-heavy scenes, at least initially in the film, um, so that she doesn't have to really stretch as an act actress, you know, she she can deliver the line. I will say now, I'm just you know, I never would have expected this, but there are two or three close headshots of Lady Gaga, and she just eats the camera. I mean, she consumes the whole camera, and you're, and it's great. I mean, she just you know, it's it's like Hollywood star quality stuff there, you know. So that really surprised me a lot. Her acting's okay. Um, I don't know if I buy uh, Bradley Cooper 100% as, as the alcoholic. I almost wish he was the nicest alcoholic I've ever come across. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's important that the character's likable because, I mean, like I said, the, the story isn't going to hook you so much as the chemistry. So they, they can't go too far in making him a monster or a jerk. And... You know, it's not that story. This isn't leaving Las Vegas or anything else. It, uh, yeah, I, I know. I, I hear you. But at the same time, he just is so nice. He's a nice guy, you know, and he's not the Hollywood. He's not a superstar rock and roll jerk like you think he should be, you know. And maybe that's to his credit. I don't know. But um, um, I, I think there's a you made an interesting observation about Lady Gaga's. So let me ask you this. A Star is Born, of course, this is a movie about 
the Lady Gaga character, correct? That's her. It's her movie. It's not his movie. Or is it his movie as well? I think it's a two-hander. I mean, they both have their different paths. He's he's descending, she's ascending, and they're feeding off each other. She's not bringing him down. He's bringing himself down, and he, but at the same time, he's able to bring her up. Okay. So it's, you know, if, he, if he's a shooting star, he's consuming himself, whatever that means, to, to sort of elevate her stardom. Okay. Yeah, I, I get that. And um, you, you made another observation I thought was really good, Adam. You said that, uh, explain what you mean by this. You said that her movie was, her, her music, excuse me, was good, was great at the beginning, and the more popular she got, the worse it got. Explain a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think most people would agree that the best song is sort of what you see in the previews about I'm Far From The Shore. They sing it a couple times throughout the movie. That's the first song she writes in the movie. That's the first song they sing together. And for me, that's the best song in the movie. And they do it a couple times. But as she goes on, her music becomes more generic. It's not as heartfelt. It's overly produced. There's dancers. It really, it really reeks of Britney Spears. I'm well, just going to be not just Britney Spears. It's or, the industry. This but, is what the industry yeah, does. Yeah, but I'm saying for my generation or maybe a little younger, it's like she becomes a Britney Spears clone. She dresses like her, dances like her, and has a dumb song. Like, has a dumb song. Yeah, that they add a little modulation to her voice. Yeah, it's the whole that whole. Yeah, and that's this yeah. is done on purpose. It's not like they ran out of good songs. They're showing this transition into the the super fandom that she has to sell out. She sells her soul. So she goes from this heartfelt song about first meeting in love. And then she's on SNL in this movie and she's in like a a sports bra and pants. And the song she's singing is your ass looks good in those jeans. Yeah. And you know, there's backup dancers behind her. It's just generic studio produced dance pop. Yeah. Which is not my cup of tea. I'll take the original as well. Uh, And, and Bradley Cooper's character hates it. Yeah. You know, he hates it and he, you know, um, but you get the sense his character never had to do the studio route. He's popular. He's writing his songs. Right. He hasn't been torn. They haven't made him cut his hair, change his hair color, turn him into something he's right. not. He's been able to be he authentic. He stayed true, stayed true to himself and became a huge mega hit. But that's, you know, he's kind of doing a country rock thing and there's not as much studio production. Right. At least as far as I can see in that genre. Yeah, no. I, I, and for men, they don't change, aside from boy bands, they don't really right. mold male singers into a product they can sell. Let's talk about the music. Did you like the music in this film? Did you like Bradley Cooper's band and that stuff? You know, was it appealing to you? What did you think overall about the music in the film? It's it's fine. I mean, I wouldn't go out and buy the soundtrack, honestly, but I think it's enjoying it's enjoyable during the movie. <laughs> it just didn't seem super strong to me. Okay. I, I actually was very surprised about how how good the music was for that country rock genre. I mean, he sounds like as good, for my dollar, as good as you're going to get today in the country rock genre, you know. Um, and so I, I was really, I don't know if it was just that Dolby Theater we were in or what, but it, it sounded pretty good to me. I was like, wow, this is really solid music that they're that they're doing here, you know. Um and I loved I loved Lady Gaga's music in the beginning, like the opening song and stuff is great. But I really didn't, for me, I didn't buy the closing song at the end that where she's featured. I was expected to really be. I thought I should have been really moved by that song, and I just wasn't. I was just yeah. it, it kind of hit flat for me. Just to be honest with you, um, that would be the one negative takeaway I would have from the film is that it just 
where, where it could have really just brought it home, it did not for me. So then let's talk about the buzz. I mean, this is the first real awards buzzworthy movie of the fall. People are talking about it. Um, assuming that they do the 10 best picture nominations again. It's got to be one of the top 10. Yeah. I, I would, at this point, I would put it in. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of films between the two of us, and it's at the top. I mean, I'm probably going to put it in that four star out of five category, which will be somewhere um, in in my top 15 for sure, maybe definitely in the top 10, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, is there's a lot of films still to come that I'm really kind of geeked about. You yeah, know? right. No, next week is First Man. I mean, I'm just, yeah, First Man, I'm just over over the moon. <laughs> Pun intended, right? I'm just really jacked about that, you know, so. We'll yeah, see. other nominations. I mean, I'm not going to be shocked if Bradley Cooper gets a directing nomination for yep. this. Lady Gaga could certainly get an acting nomination for this because you consider her singing performance and everything together. It's, it's very good. Yeah, no, absolutely, so. Uh, overall, I would recommend A Star is Born. How about you, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that's two recommendations from the Film Coterie. I think that's going to wrap it up for A Star is Born. Let's shift the page. Let's turn the page. Let's shift gears here. And let's get into a Sony Marvel joint, Venom. Let's take a little listen to Venom. You're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll be right back. I'm Eddie Brock. I'm a reporter. I always seem to find myself questioning something the government may not be looking at. I found something really bad. And I have been... Who's that bad? bad? Taken. Look around at the world. What do you see? A planet on the brink of collapse. Human beings are disposable. But man and symbiote combined. This is a new race, a new species. A higher life form. All right, we're back, and it's time to talk Venom. This is the first in a project that Sony's trying to do where they're going to make individual films for Spider-Man villains. Now, if you're not familiar, Sony kind of has a complicated relationship with Marvel. They've right. come to an arrangement so that Marvel can use Spider-Man in the Avengers movies and the MCU. And through that arrangement, Sony gets money. Sony gets a percentage of the take from Avengers or anything that Spider-Man's in. Sure. The control that Marvel put back on Sony is that Sony can now not can not do anything right now with Spider-Man without Marvel's blessing. So Venom is a villain in the Spider-Man universe, so Marvel has passed on this project. There is no, this isn't a spoiler, there is no Spider-Man in this movie whatsoever. It takes place in San Francisco. I think they do this smartly, so if later on they decide to tie it together, they can. Right. Because this movie would not make sense in New York in the current MCU, because there's no way Venom would be wreaking havoc in New York City without Spider-Man swinging in. Yes, absolutely. And and I think too, Adam... um this movie, Venom, has he not already been in like Spider-Man 3 or something already? The old or? Sam Raimi movies, yeah. yes. Yeah, so he's kind of, so there's this long relationship and um, what a wonderful world we live in with Hollywood and contractual obligations and, and rights and who owns what and Sony owns Spider-Man, yet they lend him off to Disney and Marvel and 
<laughs> I mean, it's just, but Marvel. So like, so what, what you're saying is, is that Mar Sony owns the rights to all these villains, right? And Spider-Man. And Spider-Man. But their hands are tied when it comes to Spider-Man. Man, poor Sony. <laughs> or I technically believe, I think it's also tied to villains that Marvel's used, so they couldn't do the Vulture right now. Oh, okay. So Or Mysterio. Mysterio is the villain in the new Spider-Man shooting now. But there's just so much cash to be made from, from superhero films, right? So we've got and to- And Venom's go. opening really big this weekend. Yeah. It's, it's just continuing the trend. There has been no superhero fatigue at the theater. N not in the least little bit. I Somewhere we saw it's pushing $70, $80 million weekend. Yeah, it, it might break the record that it had for October. That is, that's just crazy, man. So, okay, so break this, break Venom down. Who's in this? Who's directing it? What do we got going here? So Ruben Fleischer's directing. If you recognize the name, it's probably from Zombieland. Which I loved. And Tom Hardy, uh, Mad Max and a million other things, Inception. Yep. And uh, he was in Dunkirk as the pilot. Love it, love it, Tom love Hardy's it. great. Love Tom Hardy. He's playing Eddie Brock, who becomes infected by Venom. Uh, the other cast includes Michelle Williams and Riz Ahmed. Um, and they're really kind of pointless. Let me just say that. I mean, it's disappointing that they really had nothing for Michelle Williams to do. She's a big name. And I think you'll agree if you see this. She might have the least to do of any girlfriend in any modern superhero movie. Yes. No, no. It, it's um... At one point, she's just a plot device to... To carry something, yeah, yeah, literally, she's she has what might be one of the worst female heroine whatever lines where she says something to the effect of "I told you I can do bad things" <laughs> or something horrible to that effect yeah. that made me just grimace and and part of my soul died for Michelle Williams because she is so much better actress than this material gives her. She's playing the ex-girlfriend. They have a breakup. And, you know, if this is going to be an ongoing series, they had so little for her to do in this one. They really maybe need just to shuffle her off screen and save her for a later movie because this is this is pretty bad for yeah. her role. Now, now, now I don't know. I'm, I'm anxious to get your thoughts about the movie, Adam. But for me, I'm going to say right up front that I loved Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock slash Venom. I loved him as that character. He... I think he does a great job playing as Venom, and uh, I every time that you know the first act, the movie's really slow getting, but once Venom shows up, and once we see them come together, then the second act is really it's, it's kind of like <clears throat> this movie. Somebody said, "Well, what did you? How many stars did you give it?" And I was like, "I don't know, like three stars." It was like. Two stars in the first act, four stars in the second act, and then two and a half, three stars in the third act. You know, you know. So it, it, the the middle section of this film, when they are, when Venom and and Eddie Brock are going back and forth, is great. Very good. Very comedic elements are funny. Um, but there's a lot of problems with this film. I don't know what what, and we can get into some of those. But what's your initial take with Venom? What was your thoughts about it? So. We almost have to look at this as three different movies. It's a superhero movie. Is it? Okay. It's a body horror movie. Yeah, maybe. That's where the horror elements come in. Yes. It, it's like a body horror film. Yeah, yeah. And then it's a buddy cop movie. Yes. Now, I, I, and I don't disagree with any of those things, but I think it almost, because it's it can't decide what it wants to be, that it doesn't do any of those really, really well. That's correct. You know, and that's the ultimate problem I have with Venom, you know? 
um, the, the character is great, but everything around the character is bad. And of those three types of movies that I just identified, I think it's actually weakest as a comic book movie. I, I would totally agree. I was if anything, kinda... the buddy cop is the strongest element of the movie. Yeah, and that's the middle of the movie is Venom and Eddie get to know each other. But I was stunned. In this movie, the villain is Riz Ahmed, who's playing a, a sort of take on Elon Musk. And you don't know what his goal or scheme is. Yeah, well, what's his plan? He just says it, and then he does it. There's no, there's no plot for Eddie to try to save the world it's, until the last yeah, minute. Really bad. And it comes out of nowhere, and then it just resolves. I mean, and the other issue I have with these kind of comic book movies is anytime you're setting up a hero versus a dark version of the hero, because in this movie it's two symbiotes that are fighting each other, which is very visually boring. Especially when they're all tangled up and there's just, you can't, you can't really tell you what's can't, going on. It's like a Transformers movie. It's I, in the middle of the night, it's dark, and there's yeah. two dark symbiotes fighting. And... It, exactly. You know, and, and you know, <clears throat> what, what's sad is, what makes me angry is that this had the potential to be a really good movie. I mean, you know, just commit one way or another. Make this movie rated R and go for it. And go for the vicious kills and make Venom a nasty alien creature, it, it you know. shot as R. They filmed it as an R-rated movie, and they made a last-minute decision to somewhere cut it, to, to cut, cut it, it down as to a PG-13, which is obvious. It's so terrible. I imagine they're going to double-dip with the DVDs. We may get a director's cut that has the blood and gore and the R, probably grosser humor. Because Venom eats people. Yeah. He's that, biting off heads, and he devours people in front of other people. He has it. to eat things that are living to sustain himself. Yeah, not just lobsters. Yeah, so, I mean, you know... Um, <clears throat> well, let me just jump real quick here. Yeah, what ahead. I was going to say about the the mirror match villain, so it can be done poorly. Like in the first Iron Man, the weakest part of that movie, which is a great movie, is that the villain is just a guy in a bigger Iron Man suit, and it's a boring final fight. Yep, I agree. But then in Black Panther, here again, we have a mirror match villain. They're both wearing the power cat suits, but you have a great villain because of the way they developed them. Yes. So the problem in this movie is that it's an Iron Man situation. It's just a rich guy you really don't care about in and, and, and a you really, lackluster final fight yeah. and they have the same powers. And, and I think even that the, the character development of the bad guy, you know, you don't know. I don't think he knows whether he wants to be good, nice, evil, you know, maniacal. The movie doesn't know. The movie doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. And so it really just derails it. The third act is just gets to be really bad and, you know. What should have been an exciting, and I hate it. Like there's a line in the movie that you know where Venom says, "You know, only thing can kill us is fire and something else." You know, I forget. You know, well, sound waves, sound frequencies, sound, sound frequencies. Oh, and fire. <laughs> yeah, and, and and so you're like, I think it was even done in post because it was Peter Cullen. Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime, yeah. is doing Venom. He he's like, you know, you know, sound waves and fire. And you're like, oh, so at the end, we're going to see fire come back to hurt you. Yes. I mean, why don't you knock me over the head with the foreshadowing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and here's where it's frustrating to me. They're making him into, in the comics, he's a lot more evil than he is in this movie. They're sort of making him an anti-hero along the Deadpool route. Um, it would have been so much better if they just made the antagonist a low-level superhero from somewhere. If it's not, you know, from Sony right. property or yeah. from maybe Marvel would agreed to let a lesser-known S.H.I.E.L.D. agent or something hunt him. 
while he's ha- developing his powers. Give a different type of enemy that we haven't seen before. We've never seen a villain movie with the, the hero hunting him. How much better? Imagine a movie, Adam, where this is shot in New York City, told completely from the Venom's perspective, and he infects Spider-Man first. Spider-Man rejects him, but he's blown, blown away by his superpowers and goes into um, Eddie and possesses him. And they, they stick to a comic book actual story. And you have this now love-hate relationship that Venom has with Spider-Man. And, 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 it's, and it's the true villain story told completely from the villain's perspective. How refreshing and awesome would that have been? Yeah, I mean, that's a more interesting approach. And that's the thing. Venom has always made a good foil to Spider-Man because Eddie Brock hates Peter Parker because Peter Parker took oh, yeah. his job at the Daily Bugle. Yep. And Venom is jealous slash hates Spider-Man because he rejected the symbiote. Yeah. So, I know. I, this just... Not I mean, ha- not I mean ha- even in the comics, Hawkeye has taken down Venom. He's able to set up traps and use sonic arrows and he hunts them. Yeah. You know, because he's a big dangerous animal. There's good stuff they could have done that way, uh, too. Absolutely. Bring in Hawkeye. Just do something to give this... Don't make a bigger, badder version of Venom called the the recruit or, or whatever he was called the the leader. He had some generic, horrible name. I forget what he was called. Oh, Riot. Riot. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's from the comics. So, yeah. and we're not going to spoil the teaser. There is a mid credit sequence, but if they do another one, the way they set it up, it's just going to be another symbiote. Yeah. So it's going to be not so exciting. So, yeah. to be honest with you, unless. You want to, unless you want to go find a nice Dolby theater and get some killer sound and get to see some, you know, some funny stuff on the screen. It's, I mean, I, I can't just wholeheartedly recommend this movie to people. No. And in fact, I would tell people to go see Upgrade. Yes. Because Upgrade has a lot of the similar thing Same with theme. being infected with something, a voice in your head. And Upgrade has the better story. Yep. I would agree. So, okay. Well. Um, other thoughts, other thoughts about, um, Venom that you want to share, Adam? We'd love to hear your thoughts on yeah, it. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think we're both mixed to negative. Roger's a little more positive on it than I am. I was, I was more disappointed. It does have some funny laughs. The action was a little flat. Even the car chase was kind of boring. The one scene where it came alive was when he's versus the SWAT did, team. Did this not? Did this movie not have a little bit of a '90s feel? Like it was. It definitely feels, feels like, like an like earlier comic. Like book an movie. early comic book movie. Like that. I mean, we're coming off Infinity War and characters with emotional depth and Wonder Woman and emotional depth in her character. You know, and and just. We're coming off some really good comic book superhero movies, you know? Well, and here's the thing I noticed is that Eddie does not go on any sort of hero's journey. He's the same no, guy that he started guy. the movie yep. with. The creature that goes on the journey is Venom, but we don't see it. He goes from A to C. We never see B. He goes from wanting to, you know, kill Eddie and eat everything to I like it here. Let's get rid of the other symbiotes and I'll stay. Yeah, exactly. But there's no middle ground. He just flips, switch. That would have been a great story and a great movie. Yeah, so Venom actually goes on the journey, but we don't see it in the movie. Venom yeah. changes his position, but we never know why. No, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. So. And the rest of the characters are wasted. And I I know Tom Hardy said his favorite stuff did not make the movie. A lot of it's on the cutting right. room floor, and there's some yep. great puppetry things. I don't think this is a real spoiler, but Venom ends up in a dog at one point, and they do nothing with it. I thought there was going to be some funny stuff with a chihuahua. <clears throat> Hilarious opportunity there, that lost. had all of Venom's powers. Yeah. And they literally do nothing with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 
Anyway, I think that's going to wrap it up for Venom. Uh, when, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do our coming attractions and let you know what we have to come in the weeks, what's coming to the theaters that we're excited to see. You're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back, and this is our coming attraction segment. And so, Adam, what do we have to look forward to over the next couple of weeks in the theaters? Next week will be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be Bad Times at the El Royale and, oh. and First Man. So I promise you, our next episode will be both those movies. Because yeah. I'm going to see, I cannot wait to see Bad Times at the El Royale. And I cannot wait to see First Man. I've been stoked for First Man for a year now since we saw the first trailer. And then the week after that will be Halloween. I'm very excited for people to see it. I absolutely loved it at Fantastic Fest. This is a long in the waiting sequel. I think it does a really good service to the first one, so I'm excited to see what fans think. Yep. And there may be some nitpicks with the plot. I mean, there are some weak parts of the movie. It's not a perfect movie. But I think fans are absolutely going to love this portrayal of Michael Myers. He's an icon. This movie does nice. some fun things with him. Yeah, he's a, yeah. And I'm, I'm very excited for that. And then November 2nd is Suspiria, which is my highest rated movie out of Fantastic Fest. I love the original from 73. This one is in a league of its own. I've never seen a remake like this. It's so wow. different that I think we're going to have a new conversation when you talk about remakes now. You might have um, Psycho on the one hand where it was shot for shot. And you might have Suspiria at the other end of the spectrum where it's really just some character names that are the same, some general concepts, and it goes in a whole different direction. Wow. It's an hour longer than the original. And there's tons of world building and everything else. And it's six acts and an epilogue. Oh, my goodness. But so that's, I love that's some, Suspiria. That's some high praise there, man. So uh, I'm excited for what's coming up. Adam, for our listening audience, those who would like to check us out, how can they find us on the interwebs? You can find us on Facebook, uh, just facebook.com backslash filmcoterie. We have our own website, filmcoterie.com. And then on Twitter and Instagram, we have the same handle. It's at filmcoterie. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Film Coterie. We'll see you next time at the movies.